really, it's hard not to be obsessed with, with food in New York City. Hey everyone, I'm Kate Galliford. And I'm Corbin Gregg. On the menu for today's episode, we take a deep dive into the Big Apple's culinary world. We speak with Samantha Matthews about Black-owned restaurants in Manhattan, as well as Alyssa Macaluso about the impact of the pandemic on restaurants throughout the city. But first, we speak with Leo Burnaby, who dishes out his takes on the best burgers in New York City. This is Retrospect, the official podcast of the Fordham Observer. I am joined now by Leo Burnaby, the Observer's columnist responsible for the Five Guys Burrows and Fries column. He recently wrote an article about one of his great passions, burger joints in New York City. Leo, thanks so much for coming on Retrospect today. Thank you for having me today, Corbin. So for those of you listening right now, it's probably some important context to know that Leo and I have actually been roommates since our freshman year. We are currently recording this separated by a wall in our McMahon apartment. Um, <laughs> Leo, this entire time that I've known you, you've been passionate about food in the city. Can you explain to me where this passion came from? Even your staff profile reads that you are on an important quest to find the best burger in New York City. Sure, and, and well, I think I've found it, and, and we can discuss that later, as I did in the story. Um, but really, it's hard not to be obsessed with, with food in New York City. Um, burgers are my, my favorite thing to go out and find, and there's such a variety as there is with, with pretty much every cuisine uh, in this city. So really for anyone, no matter what you like uh, or like to try or whether you like everything, um, there's really something for everybody here in New York. And I think that that's uh, quite a testament to our city. And it's really something special about it, the, the range of cuisines uh, that we have here. Yeah, definitely. So I think if we're going to get into it first, we have to just reading your article. Let's go through some of the honorable mentions. What were they on your list? How did you decide to include these burgers? So obviously there's so many places where you can go to grab a burger in New York and it's, it, it, it would be impossible to consolidate it down to just the top five. Uh, so the honorable mentions I picked, um, not particularly because the burgers are anything special. I mean, they're not bad, but, but they're also not, uh, not some of the best. Um, but the, the atmosphere at these places is unique. Uh, they're unique places to go. So the first honorable mention on my list was the Sugar Factory. And uh, it's a very, very interesting restaurant. Everything is sugar themed. Uh, you walk in, you walk in and the storefront kind of looks like, uh, almost like a bagel shop or something uh, that, that you can order from a counter. But you walk a, uh, behind a hallway and it opens up into this big room. And, you know, obviously right now with, with COVID, it's closed. Um, but there's bizarre photos on the wall, loud music playing. Uh, uh, the entire room is, is pretty eccentric. And I think anybody who's been there would probably agree. And they make these dishes and, and the drinks I'll talk about too. As I said, everything's sugar themed there. And so you can get burgers made out of donuts, uh, waffles, it's it's a really cool place for anybody who hasn't gone. And probably one of the the main things that people love to get there are these $39 huge goblet drinks that are just different flavors. Um, 
they're incredibly good, even though they're ridiculously expensive. Um, and it's just, it's really something you can only get there. So I put it on the list, not so much for the burger specifically, although they're pretty good, um, but it's just a very unique, unique environment. My second honorable mention, Lockies, I put that on the list uh, because I, as I described it, it's kind of like the Olympic flame diner of burgers for the Fordham students. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that it's open late pretty much every night. It's very cheap. Uh, it's somewhere you can go if you've had a long day or if you just want to uh, grab something quick. Uh, and the burgers aren't bad. It's a good place to go if you're, if you're in a hurry. Yeah, I can definitely say that I enjoy a good Lucky's burger. Um, uh, so now I think it's important that we get kind of into the real stuff. So there's a yes. wide diversity in the burger joints on your list. Uh, can you explain some of the differences between the burgers, uh, toppings on the burgers or different things about the restaurants that you included in like your top list of definitive burgers for New York City? Yeah, so I would say that each of the burgers on the list is different in its own way. Um, and the burger by far with just the most toppings on it and, and everything is the Smith burger, which is right across the street. I can almost see it from my window here uh, at the corner of 63rd, which they now call Sesame Street and Broadway. And they, they really put uh, everything on this burger. Um, sauce, onions, pickles, cheese, uh, lettuce, tomato, obviously. Um, and some people might think that it's a lot, uh, but myself as a burger aficionado, I think that it works. I think that they know how to make it. They know how to make it good. Um, and as I wrote in the story, because of everything that's on it, it's a messy burger, but that doesn't mean that you should order it uh, medium well or well done. I would still prefer it medium rare or even rare. Uh, I think that that really brings out the flair and it's a unique blend. So I would definitely recommend it. Other than that, uh, the Tavern Burger down at Greenwich Street Tavern down in Lower Manhattan, they make it with Joe Red's Chipotle Mayo. And I always liked the Chipotle Mayo, but before I had written this story, I never knew that uh, it was this specific brand. Anyway, it's a really interesting story of a guy who came over from Italy and he was in Mexico for some time and he smuggled these Chipotle plants into the United States from uh, wherever he was at in Mexico. And uh, the recipe has remained the same ever since then. And so that, that, that is very good as well. The others, the Cobble & Co burger, um, your standard toppings, pretty much very good. And the PJ Clark's burger is also fairly plain, uh, bacon, cheese, tomato, lettuce, onions, pickles. But, uh, Nat King Cole actually called it the Cadillac of burgers back in the 1950s. And so that sort of gives it its fame. And PJ Clark's is still a very big uh, staple in the city. They have several locations and they've actually opened uh, two locations outside of New York, one in Philadelphia and one in Washington, DC. And it really, PJ Clark's really gives off the vibe of a quintessential old time saloon, which is why in the article, I advocate that if you're going to go, don't go to the location, at least your first time, the one right next to Fordham here across the street from Lincoln Center, take the hike over to the east side, you'll love the atmosphere. Again, this is another place that, you know, unfortunately, because of COVID is, is closed for the moment, although uh, it, it sounds as if indoor dining will be resuming at the end of the month. 
but take the hike over to the location on 55th Street when it's open. It's a very unique atmosphere and you will enjoy it. So now I think going into your top burger in New York City, I know that it's none of the ones you've mentioned. Talked about it before. I've gone and eaten one of these with you. Why don't you give me the your top burger and your top burger place in New York City? Uh, so as I said earlier, I think I found the best burger and, and I'll have to get uh, the, the online editor to edit my staff biography now to say, to reflect that. Um, it, it really is, as I wrote, it's unfair that other burgers even have, have to compete with this one. Uh, the Black Label Burger at Mineta Tavern is the most amazing hamburger I've ever had. I think most people with a good head on their shoulders would agree with me. I know that you agree with me. Uh, it is just absolute heaven eating it. And that's why I say, you know, it's so expensive. So for somebody who's hesitant about trying it, don't be hesitant. It, I promise you, and you can yell at me if you don't agree with me, but I know you won't, that it'll be the best burger. And it is incredibly plain. There are caramelized onions on it and a sesame seed bun, and that's it. You can order it with cheese, even though they don't uh, recommend it. And it's the preparation of this burger that makes it that makes it very special. They use actually four different blends of beef in the burger, short rib, skirt, brisket, and dry aged ribeye. So that in and of itself uh, is different. You don't get many hamburgers with more than one blend. And actually the, the specific proportions of this blend are kept top secret. So we only know the cuts, we don't know how they're put together. And the amount of care taken in preparing the burger is, as I write, second to none. Uh, it's an entire process. The chef actually uses a metal skewer to check the internal temperature by pressing it to his lower lip. And it is left to rest after cooking to allow the juices to redistribute to the patty. Uh, so the whole process takes a while to cook it. And that's probably part of the reason why it's so expensive, um, along with the fact that they have to buy the different blends of meat. Um, but if you like hamburgers, even if you don't like hamburgers, I would say that this is probably the one restaurant in New York City where I would encourage everyone to try at least once. I say it's the best burger in the world. Uh, and I think that if you tried it as well, you would agree with me. Obviously, pandemic is still going on. I think one thing that it's important to talk about here is accessibility to like Lincoln Center students. What burgers that you've listed can you still go get? What restaurants can you go to? True. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the Sugar Factory, I believe, is temporarily closed. They don't have indoor dining from what I've seen. And I have not ventured down to uh, Lucky's as of yet, although I might have to do that. Uh, for the rest of these places, I've eaten a cup at a couple since I've been back. Cobble and Co. is open. They have outdoor seating. Uh, same with the Smith and PJ Clark's. The Mineta Tavern is closed for right now, as I mentioned. Um, hopefully they reopen soon. I know that indoor dining is coming back to New York City on September 30th, along with several stringent regulations. Um, so hopefully it's a, a safe situation. But uh, for the most part, you can still sit outside and, and eat a lot of these burgers or pick them up if you, if you would prefer that. Okay, so this is going to be a bit of an odd question, but I think it's important right now, given that there are many students across the country 
who are off campus, they didn't decide to come back to the city or they didn't come to the city to begin with. If you were to pick one burger from a national burger chain and rate it in the same way that you ranked these burgers here, what burger do you think is the best that you can get from a national burger chain? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I know everyone recently has been ordering the, uh, the Travis Scott meal at McDonald's. I haven't tried that yet. I think it's just their quarter pounder with cheese, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I wouldn't put that on the list, uh, despite the unique name. Um, I would have to say probably Shake Shack. You know, how could somebody not like Shake Shack? It, it's a very good burger joint to go to. Um, they're all across the country. If you don't want to go out yet, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, I'm sure that you can get it delivered if you live close enough or order it online and go pick it up. Um, <clears throat> huge variety of burgers that you can order there. Their milkshakes are amazing. Uh, it's just an all around great chain. And, you know, it helps that there's a lot here in, in New York City, uh, at least for us who are here. Um, but like I said, it's nationwide. So I think that pretty much everybody could, could enjoy something from there. Yeah. So any final thoughts, anything you want to add? Oh, I would just have to reiterate, if you've never tried the Black Label Burger at Mineta Tavern, you have got to go. You will not disagree with me. It is the best burger on this list. Should be the best burger on every list, as I say. Yep. Once Mineta opens and then things get safe, I'm sure everybody who's listening to this will go head out and get one of those burgers. So, Leo, thanks so much for coming on Retro today. Glad we could have you on to talk about something that I personally know that you are very passionate about. Uh, and I hope you'll come on again soon to give some more hot takes. Yes, I would love to. Thank you very much, Corbin. For more information on Leo's favorite burger spots in New York City and where you can find them, make sure to check out his article on FordhamObserver.com. Next, we speak with Samantha Matthews about her article focusing on Black-owned restaurants in New York City. She also talks to us about ways you can support Black-owned businesses, whether you're in the city or working remotely from home. I'm joined now by Samantha Matthews, Features Editor for the Fordham Observer, to discuss her recent article highlighting Black-owned restaurants near the Lincoln Center campus. Samantha, thanks so much for coming on Retrospect today. Thanks so much for having me. So 2020 has been a tumultuous year, to say the least, rife with a variety of different social, economic, and political concerns. How have the events of the last few months inspired your article? And why is it so important to support Black-owned businesses right now? The um, Black Lives Matter movement that has taken a foot all across the country has definitely inspired my piece. I just don't really understand having a point to not support them. And I feel like especially because there have been so many Black individuals that have been murdered by police officers in the past couple of, like, I mean, it's always been happening, but especially it's been highlighted in the past couple of months. I think that it's important to support the Black community. And, you know, especially with the coronavirus, local businesses, especially restaurants, are suffering a lot right now. And businesses need support. And I think if we're in, if you're going to Fordham University in Fordham Lincoln Center and you're coming from somewhere else, you're not, this is someone else's community that you're becoming a part of 
and you should support the businesses that help that community flourish. Something else that you talk about in your article when you're kind of urging us to support these Black businesses is that so many of these Black business owners have been constantly giving back to their community. What are some of the ways that you talk about in your article about why Black businesses are so important to different communities and to supporting those communities and their culture? Yeah, well, the owner of Miss Mamie Spoonbread 2, which is located on 110th and Amsterdam, I believe, and she, her name is Norma Jean Darden, and I have read all about her. Unfortunately, she didn't get back to me for an interview, but I have read all about her, and she is the most amazing woman. And she started her business as a catering company and transitioned it into a restaurant. But with the coronavirus, she had to close. So with her closures, she still wanted to give back to her community and she still wanted to have her staff doing something. So she actually, she had her staff and herself prepare 200 to 300 meals a night for people who were out of work or for some people who just needed a little extra help. And she was giving back to the people around her. And I think that's really amazing. And especially, you know, we are living in a time where people need help. And I think it's amazing that even though her business was closed and she was suffering financially, she still made an effort to give back to those who were in more need. You include a really great kind of exhaustive list of businesses from bodegas to bakeries to full service restaurants. And unfortunately, we don't have time to get in every single restaurant you listed. So I really recommend that our listeners go to the Observer's website to check out the article in full. But for now, I'd really like for you to talk us through maybe some of your personal favorite businesses that you've highlighted or mm. businesses that you think have an interesting history that you'd like to share. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, my personal favorite is I love sweets and I love dessert. So um, my favorite is Make My Cake, which is, which was started by um, Josephine Smith of, um, a couple of years ago, but now it's run by her family and it's called her family team. And actually, my birthday was a couple of weeks ago, and my roommate and I actually went, and I got a cupcake for my birthday from there, so that was really amazing. Highly recommend. But also, I think I got a chance to speak with the owners of Masawa, which is an Etrian and Ethiopian restaurant up, a little uptown, and I think their history is my favorite. It was started by two Etrian immigrants, Almaz and Emmanuel. And Almaz was actually a cab driver in the 80s. And while she was driving around, she saw an empty business for rent. And she decided this is the great place to run a restaurant. So she opened it up and it's Atrian inspired and it's named after the largest coastal city in Atria. And I actually got to speak with their current manager, Johannes. And he, his parents are actually... Almaz and Emmanuel. So it's still family run and they closed during the coronavirus, but now they're reopening and it's vegan friendly and really good food. I have eaten there and I highly recommend it. So that's, I think, one of my favorites. At the end of your piece, you list a couple different resources that I'd love for you to get into a little bit more. You list a few things like Eat Okra, Shop Black, and Black on Brooklyn. What are these applications and resources and how can students utilize them to help support Black-owned businesses? 
Obviously, in my piece, I can only touch upon a few businesses within my word count. So if you're looking for more Black-owned businesses like anywhere throughout the city, I highly recommend you download Eat Okra. It was started by, I think his name was Anthony Edwards Jr. And he's a Fordham alum. It's basically like Yelp, but specifically for Black-owned restaurants. So you type in where you are, what kind of food you want to eat, and it will give you any Black-owned restaurant in the area. And it works outside of New York City, too. It works anywhere. Black-owned Brooklyn is actually a, they describe it as like a community-run, community-rooted publication supporting places in Brooklyn that are Black-owned. So if you're in Brooklyn and you're looking for like, this extends beyond restaurants, because obviously there are more businesses beyond restaurants to support anything in Brooklyn that is Black-owned. You can go to their Instagram account and you can find something there. Shop Black was the last one that I mentioned, and it's kind of like a global platform where they list Black-owned businesses and Black-owned business accomplishments. They have articles on there, but they also have listicles of where to go. I think the importance of all these platforms that are created and out there is that you know that they're out there, you use them, you use them to support the Black community, and also you kind of take a minute to educate yourself in that there are Black-owned businesses out there that you should be supporting. And I think that these resources are extra helpful just because, obviously, for the purpose of the article, you kind of stick to restaurants specifically in Manhattan or the Fordham Lincoln Center area. But it sounds like they're going to be really helpful for students that are in other boroughs or students that are home for the semester. We've already talked a little bit about why it's important to support Black-owned businesses, and the answer is really sort of like, why wouldn't you, and why wouldn't you want to part of this community? But is there anything you would want to say to Fordham students in particular? Because I know that there have been concerns with people living in New York City, like actual locals that are there all the time that don't come back and leave for the semester or when there's a pandemic, and how student populations interact with communities, especially like with health and safety concerns with the pandemic. So is there anything you want to say to Fordham students specifically to kind of encourage them to interact with these restaurants in a safe and respectful way and communities at large? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, we are college students and some of us aren't locals. And if you're dorming, you come from somewhere else and you're in a community that's not your own. So I think you should try to contribute beneficially to the community that you are currently living in. And so, you know, supporting these businesses is a way to do that. While you're living in a community, you should try to contribute to it. And I think ordering takeout from the local restaurant is kind of like the bare minimum that you could do. Obviously, there are more platforms out there for you to kind of get involved and just remember to remain respectful to the community that you are in. And I mean, everyone likes food and there's food yeah. out there for everyone. So you might as well do research into food that you'll like and that will help your community. Yeah, and small businesses during a really scary and hectic time. Thank you so much for coming on. It was great to hear from you. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. <laughs> for more information on how to support Black-owned businesses near you, as well as the latest updates on the fight for racial justice in New York City, visit the Fordham Observer's website. Up next, we chat with Alyssa Macaluso about the toll coronavirus has taken on the New York restaurant scene. We are joined now by Alyssa Macaluso, copy editor for the Fordham Observer. 
She recently wrote an article for The Observer on the impact of the pandemic on restaurants running the Lincoln Center campus. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us today. Not a problem, happy to be here. Yeah, so um, just to get started, I think it's important. Uh, can you explain the timeline for reopening restaurants thus far and what changes students can expect with restaurants coming soon? Yes, so the timeline that we've seen so far, New York has gone through a couple of phases as a state. Um, they're currently in phase four, which is the final phase, um, but they did start in phase two um, of reopening on June 22nd. And in that phase, restaurants all over New York state were permitted to offer outdoor seating. Um, the city, however, has taken this more slowly. So even though the whole state is in phase four, the city um, is still not allowing outdoor se indoor seating. Um, they're only allowing outdoor seating. But we can hope that um, potentially with limited capacity, indoor seating will be approved in the coming months, especially as winter um, and fall are just around the corner. So obviously there's a number of students that haven't been out for food or just haven't come back to campus at all or haven't been in the city. And so can you describe a little bit what it looks like around campus with outdoor eating arrangements at different places down Ninth Ave or around campus? Yes, of course. So um, I have not been to many places around campus at Eating Out, but I have been walking the streets quite a lot and I would almost call it beautiful. Um, it has a very like summery vibe in the air. There's lots of plants, tents, um, tables and chairs. And of course, like people are out in the street and laughing and you can see them sitting and eating, um, which is kind of nice because it brings back a sense of normalcy to um, a campus that is certainly more empty um, than in previous years. Um, and there are certain streets that if you go down far enough, especially into Hell's Kitchen, which is just below us, um, where you can see whole streets are just blocked off. Um, so there's no cars allowed through them and people are just strolling up and down and enjoying in the last vestiges of summer. <laughs> yeah, I've been walking around Ninth Avenue sometimes and I do enjoy seeing like all of the outdoor restaurant things. I think that they look really nice and I think that one of the things I'm hoping is that those kind of stick around for longer than, uh, longer than the pandemic. Um, but if we could get into like some of the challenges that restaurants are facing as a result of the pandemic, obviously people haven't been going to restaurants, indoor dining was shut down. Um, but can you go into some of the things that people might not be thinking about that restaurants are facing? So maybe like impact of tourism or like evictions and those kinds of things? Um, I did get to talk to a couple of business owners in and around the Upper West Side, which was nice. Um, some people in particular, like the owner of Justine's Pizza, shared with me some of the challenges that they've been facing. One of the main things is certainly less foot traffic. A lot of people have moved out of the city, especially people who live in our area on the Upper West Side. There is just fewer people and fewer tourists. Um, the summer season is usually pretty busy for New York. Times Square is packed. People are out at the park enjoying the nice weather. And of course, this summer, we don't see that. A lot of businesses are struggling to get as much just foot traffic in. Um, Justino's in particular is one of those pizza places that like 
you kind of go in, you get your pizza, you can sit, but then you also kind of go out and walk and enjoy the city. And so it's an obvious place for like tourists to go or like people who just want a quick bite before they move on to like another part of the city. Um, and so just with fewer people being here, that part of the business has suffered. Um, another issue that you brought up is evictions. A lot of the New York state and legislature has done um, a lot to help protect businesses and give them some assurances in terms of evictions by preventing landlords from evicting them. But a lot of business owners' positions are still in jeopardy and unstable at this point, just because they're getting less revenue in and they aren't sure that they can meet demands. So obviously you just covered Justino's, but what are some of the other businesses around campus that students like to frequent and how have they been changing? And how has that affected campus life and kind of the atmosphere of being at Fordham Lincoln Center and the surrounding neighborhood? I did not get to talk to many business owners about specifically how their businesses are changing, but I can talk a little bit from personal experience about some of the businesses around the area. Um, one of my favorite places I like to go is the bodega right across the street, Allen's or Alon's. They have pretty decent sandwiches, in my opinion. I love their iced coffee. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> pretty good. And so being there has definitely been different. I actually went back in June um, when I came up here to move out of my dorm. And one of the first things that the cashier behind the register asked me was one of the students coming back. And at that time, of course, I didn't have an answer, but I was like, hopefully in August. Um, so I know that a lot of business owners, especially around the Upper West Side where Fordham students frequent, they are missing the student presence. And I would also say that there are a few places in our neighborhood that have shut down either temporarily or permanently. Um, Fluffy's is a big name um, that we've known about. That was something from like my early time as a freshman, like I knew Fluffy's right off the bat. And it was definitely, I would say more of like a hole in the wall family style type of pizza place that you go with your friends late at night. It is certainly different not having such an old and like established restaurant still in the neighborhood because um, Fluffy's I believe was open for 45 years um, which is a really long run. Other places like Levine Bakery they I know are temporarily closed um, so you have to travel a little bit further to get those chocolate chip cookies. Hopefully they'll open up as the city begins to get more people in more revenue back to life. Um, so just going a bit more into other restaurants that students um, frequent pretty regularly. There are a lot of diners around campus that students will go to when it's like late at night. There, there really aren't many other options open. Um, can you talk about how these places have changed? Um, I'm thinking specifically of like the Flame and Olympic Flame, those kinds of places? Um, the Olympic Flame and the Flame, which are a couple of blocks from campus, pretty close. The biggest change I would say I've noticed in them is the dining. So whenever I used to go to um, the Olympic Flame, for example, uh, for a late night snack milkshake with my friends, we'd always like either sit at the bar or else we'd like find a booth in the corner and you'd get the like typical diner experience, I guess you would say. Now, of course, it's a little bit different. Their hours are a tad more limited, and they also um, can't offer indoor seating at this time, so that means all the seating is outdoor. Honestly, I would almost say the experience changed less from the feel of a diner to more of one of a traditional restaurant. They definitely have more like plants and lights, which upgrades it a little bit, but I also think it does take away from the traditional college experience of like going to a diner at 2 or 3 a.m. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
thanks for the insider scoop. I feel like because I'm virtual this semester, I'm like sitting at home pining away after like Burrito Box and Birch. Those are some of my favorite places around campus. Um, and yeah, I hope that they can kind of come back a little bit and we'll do be doing better now that students are back on campus because obviously we're a big part of that population right where the Upper West Side and Hell's Kitchen meet. Um, do you have any final thoughts you wanted to share about your article or? I would just like to encourage students to be safe, of course, but also don't be afraid to get back out and explore, especially around our neighborhood. We have so many interesting and like fun restaurants around this area, especially in Hell's Kitchen, that if you are craving ramen one night and you don't want to make Trader Joe's ramen, like go out and find a ramen place um, because they could definitely use the business and you could find a new food place that you really adore. And I would say to the students who are learning virtually this semester, one of the biggest things that I did this summer, I just made a list, bucket list of places I wanted to go that I didn't get to go to last year. And I was like, this year, I'm going to go to these restaurants. So I guess just planning and being like, making a promise to yourself that when you get to the city, these are some places that you're going to explore and try. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, not to plug Birch again, but it's one of my favorite spots. And multiple times this summer, I've ordered just grounds from them online. And so I think that's another great way to support businesses. If maybe you're concerned about going out or your home or whatever, you're not near the city is see if there's a way you can support them online. I think that's always a great, uh, great thing to do. All right, Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on Retrospect today. It was so great to hear from you. Uh, and we hope that we'll see you again in the future and be able to talk with you soon. No problem, thank you guys for having me. This has been Retrospect. Special thanks to Leah, Samantha, and Alyssa for coming on the show today. Until next time, I'm Kate Galliford. And I'm Corbin Gregg. We hope we gave you all some food for thought. We'll catch you all on the next episode of Retrospect.